Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Again, everyone, and welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network 1350 on your AM dial serving the New York metropolitan area. Please remember to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on social media. We're not just on Facebook and YouTube. In fact, we prefer it if you followed us on Rumble on Gab and others. However, we are on Facebook and YouTube. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell, do all that fun stuff. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Lieutenant Frank Moore. And for those of you who don't know Frank, we're going to be discussing his uh, recent book, America the Exceptional. Right? We hear about American exceptionalism all the time. Well, Frank's got a particular take on that. But very quickly, to introduce Frank to all of you good people out there at the Veritas Catholic Network, he's a retired uh, firefighter from the uh, from the New York City uh, Fire Department, born and raised in the Bronx. Moore earned a bachelor's degree in business administration from Manhattan College. After working in banking for nearly six years in Midtown Manhattan, he left the business world to become a firefighter, and he's never looked back. Eventually promoted to lieutenant, he was assigned to Division Six, covering the South Bronx and Harlem. He has written and spoken of his experiences on 9-11 and his passion for God and country since retiring from the New York City uh, Fire Department. He's done graduate level work in religious studies at St. Joseph Seminary in Yonkers and is the is a fellow of the Acton Institute in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Lieutenant Frank Moore, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you very much. You make it very easy because you're both named Joe, so I know I'm going to get both of your attention when I speak. <laughs> exactly. I love it. There's no confusion there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Frank, would you lead us in a prayer to the Holy Spirit before we get into this? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, Frank, just like after Joe was reading your bio, I mean, you're so much like us. I went to a Catholic college, and then uh, I worked in banking, still do. You were smart enough to leave. So I think we're on a good, we're on a good start. Uh, I also was uh, six blocks away from the Trade Center when they fell. So when I re read your bio, I, I could definitely, um, you know, think of many common experiences we both probably had. But let's get right into this book. I mean, uh, you talk about American exceptionalism. In your view, what is it? All right. Getting right to the heart of it. Well, to, uh, to preface it, because I, to me, this is a spiritual discussion. And um, when I went down to ground zero, uh, or really before that, I was working in Division 6, and I'm watching on television the second plane crash. And... Um, I'm sure you guys have a memory of that day, but uh, I was. We had CNN on in the chief's office, and uh, from that blast, you could. It was an unusual. It was like a three-dimensional image, and the CNN commentator actually cursed on the air uh, when he was looking at it. He, he was so taken aback. But the image was the image of Satan's face. So, like you know. The first thing that's coming in your mind is like I'm seeing things until I had this outside reaction from CNN. Uh, I think the image has actually been taken down since then, which is interesting all by itself, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing is taken down, but this is taken down. And uh, I wrote an article about that that actually got published in the National Catholic Register uh, called the 9-11 Infection. Uh, because at the end of it, you see that uh, the ground zero cross is what was left standing. The smoke clears, everything else clears, but you still have that, right? So to me, it was a very spiritual message that was going on. 
so when you're talking about American exceptionalism, I'm, I'm relating it and where we're headed to this event. That's really the reason I began writing. Um, American exceptionalism, you know, we're, it doesn't really matter. If you're walking around on the planet, you have an image of America that we all kind of share, an image of power, uh, of wealth, influence, whatever you want to call it. And uh, maybe you look at some of those things as waning, but those images are not American exceptionalism. Those images are maybe the fruit of exceptionalism or the results of an exceptional society. But if it was exceptionalism itself, then you would go back to the founders and say, well, they weren't really that exceptional because they weren't that wealthy. They weren't powerful. They had this uphill climb against uh, Great Britain. And so it, it had to be something much deeper. And as I explored the founders, I realized that the heart of this was uh, the Christian roots of America. And um, to me, that wasn't even enough. I had to explore a little bit more because we're listening to people. They're ripping down statues. They're doing things to this, uh, you know, to our history that is obliterating the reality that happened then. And that, that's a spiritual reality. And as I looked, you're looking at the inaugural address of George Washington, for instance, you start to find these people actually felt that something very spiritual was happening. Yeah. Now I can get into that a little bit more if you'd like. Actually, we, we interviewed a gentleman and I would recommend the book for you, Liberty's Lions, Dan uh, Leroy. And he talked about how Catholics um, were basically very influential um, in the founding of this nation. I mean, I'm not a historian, but I did read the book and it, it's enlightening. But I would agree with you. Washington, while he uses the word providence in place of God often, was deeply influenced by God and felt like providence had led this nation on and to deny that is basically to deny what america was when it was founded there's and, no question and that and that obviously is the wrong path to be on and that's why lieutenant frank moore is on the front line with joe and joe on the veritas catholic network because where where i think you're you're absolutely correct frank in in, in your your diagnosis is that if we want to be exceptional the the power the prosperity that's the fruit of something else okay and the wrong path, just use the example in the, the story you told. The image, and I remember that image too, in the in the explosion of, um, and it lo literally looks like what would you think, might think be Satan's face, okay? But you mentioned the cross. You want to hear the problem with America right now? That the atheists in the ACLU don't want that cross in the 9-11 in the, in the museum. All right, that's right. Now, now when they think, okay, in their hubris and their arrogance that America can actually survive and thrive without God. And that's why you're here on the show because we're gonna talk about it more. Bottom line is, if you think that this is thriving and prospering, our country's a mess right now. It's an, it's an absolute mess. Let me ask you this, uh, getting back to the book for a second. Uh, you wrote that the book is that not meant, to, and Joe and I say on the show all the time, Frank, we, we are, uh, on our walls, we have PhDs in common sense, okay? Um, <laughs> You wrote that the book is not meant to be an intellectual exercise suitable only for a small audience of academics. It is, in, it is a sincere expose for all Americans. So you discuss why Americans must change course, not simply to ensure prosperity for the next generation, but most importantly, to preserve freedom. Frank, in light of that, what would you say, how are we on the wrong course in your, in your view? Well, the first thing that I wanted to go back to our original point is that the founders themselves believed that there were supernatural things happening. And I remember the editor, when I wrote the book, you know, he, he emailed me back and he, he said supernatural and he put a bunch of question marks, you know, can you give me an example? But the best example really is, is the analogies that they made. And one of them was that's, I put in there a whole chapter about the great seal of the United States. And uh, for people that are familiar, a lot of people, uh, you know, they've made connections with uh, Freemasons and all these other things, but it actually predates that. And the most significant thing is that on July the 4th, 1776, everybody knows the day, right? The Declaration of Independence is the very same day that they created the Committee for the Great Seal of the United States. And um, they labored over this thing for six years. And the first thing that struck me as I was researching this is that 
why are they so interested in hitting a great seal when they're losing battle after battle in this revolution? You'd think you'd be spending a little more time doing other things. That's a, it was a spiritual message. And, uh, and I think the, it was really more of a spiritual message back to God that we recognize that you're in this fight with us. And the reason I say that is that one of the proposals, first of all, they put Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams on this. They didn't just go out into the street and say, listen, we're a little busy. Can you guys come up with a seal? You know, mm -hmm. they got their best minds. And Benjamin Franklin did a scene from Exodus where Moses is standing on the beachhead of the Red Sea, commanding as God had ordered him, with his rays of heaven shining on his head, he's commanding the sea to fall and collapse back on Pharaoh's armies. And that was the image. So that's a very spiritual statement there because the Israelites, I mean, the Americans are fighting this battle, right? But the Israelites didn't fight any battle. The Israelites stood there and allowed God to fight the battle. So where is he coming up with this imagery from and what is he trying to say? I think he would, he, I mean, to me, and I, you know, I can't get in Benjamin Franklin's head, but it, it's pretty obvious that he is likening America and the struggle they're into the Exodus. All right. So, uh, and I would think that that's almost perfect because when we look at the spiritual struggle that America is in right now, there is no equal to this struggle because we're, there's no war. People aren't throwing bullets at each other, but what's happening in America is, is so demonstrable. It is, to me, the equivalent of the exodus. And I think that the two things, that's the last time that we've seen this uh, this kind of a spiritual battle going on. There's no, there's no equivalent. The, the exodus and today are, I think, they're connected. And so that's, you know, so I forgot your original question, Joe. Well, no, but you're hitting the, you're hitting the right point. I mean, I mean, we are, being on the wrong path has brought us to this point. In other words, it right. brought it to the point that, that you're illustrating. And absolutely, we see all the time, You we look, there are political so solutions to political problems, okay? And there are other things. But ultimately, our problems in America are, are deeply, deeply spiritual. That yes. is... That is what's going on. It's 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 um it's uh it's spirit. It's a spiritual battle where people think, I mean, they think that they're free, and what they actually are is they're no they're no more free than the Israelites in Egypt. Yeah. Okay, and, we, and perhaps we need a new exodus. But you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rosinello on the Veritas Catholic Network. Frank, you talk in the book, and and I like this. Uh, you say one thing is certain: an exorbitant amount of energy is spent categorizing Americans, whether by race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or class, with the negative effect of pitting us against ourselves. Um, if all men are created equal, we talked about the founders, these are words that are in our original documents, then what purpose do these categories serve? Um, and ultimately, they're dividing us. You know, let's talk a little bit about that, because I think that's at the root of what we're seeing currently. Clearly, we're all, you know, everybody's different. But I think the common ground, say, 50 years ago, 80 years ago, was God. I mean, if you were a Democrat or you were a Republican, you had a common belief in God, not everybody, not perfectly, and we just had disagreements. Now it seems that there's just an absence of God, and there's chaos, and there's division. Let's talk about it. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'll, I'll give you a little story. We had a, a family party. Now, you know, my father's side of the family is Irish. The, my grandparents were born in Ireland. And uh, so I remember I was sitting there as a little boy. They're having a house party. Got my aunts and uncles around. And they're all trying to name the 36 counties. I think it's 36 counties of Ireland. And they're going off at Leitrim and, you know, Dublin and, you know, and they, you know they, yeah, right. Cork, you know, exactly. And they're getting stumped, you know, and they're like getting up to 20. I got 21 and somebody throw out another one. And my grandmother, who was born in Ireland, you think she's going to come out and, you know, throw in the last 10 counties or something, right? She does nothing like this. She looks absolutely ticked. And she comes into the room and she goes, yeah, well, you know, the, uh, you got the state, uh, uh, she goes, you got the counties, but why don't you try to name the 50 states? He goes, this country fed and found us. And then she turns around and walks out of the room and we're like, who is that? What was that about? <laughs> nice. You know, but that's where, that's where they were coming from. You know, if, I, I think if you go back 50 years, I think the, 
you didn't have the hyphenated American like you have today. I think that uh, they were proud. If you were uh, an Irish American, an Italian American, or whatever, uh, African American, whatever we want to, whatever we're throwing out there, you were proud to say, "I'm an American." That's what you know, the difference is. Now you're going around, they're doing polls, and people are saying, "Are you proud to be an American?" They're saying, "No, I'm not really. I'm kind of embarrassed." And I'm like, "I'm like, really?" Yeah. You know, it's a much different thing. You know, I mean, I'm I'm going to be 62. I'm thinking about when I was growing up, and I, I can't even imagine a situation where anybody would say something like that when I was a kid, when I was in school. You know, so I mean, that right there should cause you to think about what is, what is the misinformation that's going on there. Uh, we've completely, uh, I think, uh, confused exactly what it is that we should be calling the enemy. And uh, we're now looking at ourselves. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book is because I saw that happening right after 9-11. People were asking questions and they were saying, you know, why would people be so angry with us? What have we done wrong? And I, I was like, that's not what justice is about. Justice is about identifying a problem, right? And here this is, you know, <laughs> what happened on 9-11 is not justifiable in any sense. And so, you know, justice tells you to go in a different direction. You just start self-analyzing for a, for a heinous crime. So, um, let's talk yeah, about though the idea though, like where you can have disagreements. Obviously, people are different. I mean, what's the uh, the statement? E pluribus unum. Yeah. You know, unity yeah. in many. I mean, we're a country of immigrants. Some cultures are extremely different that have come here, and that's a good thing. I mean, we all grew up in New York, around the New York area. We grew up with all types of guys. I mean, that's a good thing. You, I grew up with Cuban guys. I'd eat food, Portuguese guys. My wife is Haitian-American. I mean, that's what America is about. Right. It's differences, and we love everybody, but we're different. You see, I think when you take God out of the picture, um, you behave a little differently. Would you think, would you think that we're, I think that we're in a, a unique position to comment on this as faithful Roman Catholics, because we're not buying it. Frank, you're, you, you might not have watched the front line with Joe and Joe. We say all the time, we're not going to allow someone to identify us. Okay. Cause our identity is rooted in reality. Unlike gender ideology. Okay. Which is right. detached from reality. Our reality is a very simple one. Our, our self-identification. And I love your comments on this is that what I am is I am a Roman Catholic American of Italian descent, uh, Roman Catholic American male of Italian descent. That's rooted in reality. But the right. first is our worldview, our belief. We're Roman Catholic and we are uniquely qualified to comment on this, okay, more than anybody, because we have the force of the church and 2,000 years of teaching. We don't divide people on race, okay? Right. I'm not saying Catholics are sinless, but I don't look, as Joe said, his wife and my wife are sisters, okay? I don't look at my wife. I noticed she was black when I met her, okay? okay. But the thing that, the reason why I married her is because she's a Roman Catholic woman, a good okay. woman, all right? Talk about that a little bit, how we, particularly as Catholics, cannot allow the dividers, and there's plenty of them out there, to, to divide us along these racial and other lines, that we should emphasize the Catholic teaching on the dignity, the equality of the dignity of all people. And that's how we should act in our relationship to other people. I'd love your comments on that, Frank. Isn't it, isn't it kind of interesting that uh, you know, we, we're kind of detaching ourselves from one really important reality, um, that we worship one God, and that God has revealed himself in history, all right? So that uh, we start to look at, you, you open a catechism, and you look at a bunch of pages, and you just say, well, this is, this is a better way to live than that, you know? And we've kind of relegated ourselves into this role as a competing ideology, right? The freedom of religion means that, you know, we don't have the answer, but the answer, we didn't write the answers. The answers were written from above. And uh, so, you know, when you think about... Um, freedom and some of the things that we we throw around really easily uh, we forget that freedom itself is actually only supported in christianity if you analyze the five world religions that are make up probably about 99 percent of mankind um it's only christianity that talks about freedom and i'll tell you how that is you you can go back into the book of genesis right and you have a statement at the moment of creation and uh, and creation of mankind, where God says, now we've created man in our own image and likeness. And if that's a fact, which I know it's a fact, then 
it assumes that God, who is free, has now created this being in his own image and likeness and intends for that being to be free. And if you want to go on even further and expound on it, right, you have Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, you know, the whole story of the apple. And um, they choose to actually eat from the forbidden fruit. Right, there's no God, you know, coming out and slapping their hand and saying, "Hey, I told you what not to do there." You know, what are you doing? No, they're free to do that, right? Because of in in freedom is a removal of any kind of coercion, right? And so, in a lot of the world religions, you'll see that coercive influences. You see a lot of very harsh language. What you have uh, now to fast forward, you have the gospel, and the gospel of Christ. You have so many works that God is doing. Uh, through Jesus, where he's saying, don't tell anyone what I've done to you, because the message needs to be accepted by you. This is, I'm not going to, you know, it's not like the the feeding of the 5,000 where they want to carry him off and make him a king, right? This is about, you know, I'm giving you the message and you need to come to the truth without needing a miracle behind it to reinforce it. And so, you know, we have, uh, we can, we can go right up to the present day and uh, we see that, you know, this freedom now, this definition needs to be defined. And I used to, when I was working uh, part-time at West Point Military Academy, I used to, I, I, I actually asked a cadet when I was writing the book, I said, what's freedom? You know, so, you know, and I said, wow, this question is kind of going off pretty good. You know, so I started to ask them all. Anytime I met a cadet, I, you know, I start to poll them. I say, what, what do you think freedom is? And so I get, you know, pretty much what you'd expect. It's almost like out of Webster's, you know, well, freedom is kind of, you know, uh, you know, it's the ability to choose for yourself. Right. I said, all right. So if freedom is just that, let's go to the polar ends of our definition of freedom. Let's go, let's go all the way on one side and say, all right, um, you have the ability to do any possible thing that you want, right? We'll call freedom that, right? Uh, so you're, you're completely free. What you have is anarchy, right? Everybody's just doing anything without any boundaries. And then on the other side, right, you have nothing. You can't do anything without getting approval, right? And that's tyranny, right? So it makes sense, I guess, from that perspective, right, that freedom should be a line that you draw in the middle, Right. And you, you know, and that's what it is. The only problem with that is, is that who's drawing the line? So Joe and Joe have a line. They put one here and the other guy says, no, no, actually, you, you excluded that. I want it over here. And mm-hmm. Frank Moore gets up and he says, I want it over here. You have eight billion definitions of what real freedom is. So who's the guy that draws the line? God. The line. Yeah, that's right. God. I mean, there that's, is really, that's really in essence what we're talking about is like Joe mentioned 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. Americans have differences. There is no question. We have religious differences. I'm not a religious indifferentist. I think all people need to come to the Catholic Church. I say that loudly and clearly. That's our that's our great commission. However, we do have to work and play well with others and have an ordered society. And one thing it seems that about 80 years ago, the prior couple generations, okay, our parents' generation, they respected whether you were a Jew, whether you were whether you were non-religious, whether you were Catholic, whether you were evangelical, there was still a moral boundary, an understood a, a line beyond which you didn't cross. And that was understood, okay? In other words, where okay, we don't do abortion comes to mind. That's the first thing because we hammer on abortion all the time. If we want to right the ship, we got to get rid of abortion. Having said that, but there were certain lines, and because everybody respected those lines, everybody was able to work within that context. That's why people of all different stripes, particularly men, when were able to fight wars along some alongside somebody that they didn't know, that were not their same ethnicity or religion, they weren't from their same state, but they were brothers because they fought for that idea. What ideas do we have now? That we're fighting for this ridiculous notion of of freedom that's being perpetrated on us now, like you said, which we know is just licentiousness. You, nobody. Sometimes, you, you know, Joe. Sometimes the best way to look at these things is by saying, "Hey, what what freedom is it?" Right. And I think Pope John Paul II, in one of the World Youth Days, he said, "Freedom is not a license to do whatever you want." 
So if it's not a license to do whatever you want, then what is it, right? And and who is who's dictating what can and can't be done, right? So uh, it's obviously it can't be Joe and Joe, it can't be Frank Moore, it can't be anybody else. There's got to be something that we all adhere to. And um, that's the part of the, the truth of the Catholic Church is that we're not coercing anybody, right? They, because there is a heaven and a hell. There is a, a destination for good and evil. And uh, I think that that's what we've lost. I don't think we have a concept of what evil is or that we don't put a face on it, just like that's why it kind of began the show uh, the way I did. I mean, we don't we, we do a lot of talking about, oh, God is, you know, but we don't talk about the other side of that, right? That we have this malevolent force. Right. And that's alive. Right. And he acts through people by you know, our own concupiscence, our own uh, temptation. And uh, I think without that concept, it becomes uh, almost we become like a dupe. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinolo, having a fantastic conversation with Lieutenant Frank Moore discussing his book, America the exceptional. Frank, I mean, uh, just to continue with what you said regarding uh, Pope John Paul II, he said, we're free to do what is right. And I just want to comment on what you were saying about the lines. I think what's missing here is the line is established by God. And I could speak for myself. I don't do certain things because of that. But if you take that away, that's where the problem is. And and to play devil's advocate, people could be listening to this conversation on the radio and they could say, oh no, you're imposing your ideas on me. Well, no, I'm not. But at the same time, what they can't recognize is there are boundaries to society, that society does not work without them. It's been tried and it has failed. Miserably failed. So, I mean, that is, I think, the deal. Like, it's the idea of authority. I recognize that authority, just like I have children. They recognize my authority. You work for the fire department. You recognize the authority of the chief. There is authority, and I think the missing piece here is there are groups of individuals, because of the absence of God, that they don't recognize authority. Could you talk a little bit about that? We have a couple minutes before the break. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, I we'll we'll try to tie this all down to one one misrepresentation that's going that's going strong and hard today uh is this denial that we're a christian nation and i got challenged by uh, about that i was talking to a professor and he said how can, how can you say we're a christian nation when we have freedom of religion I, and i told him i said you know up until uh, 1898 and there may be even another one that i missed i mean i'm just i'm just researching um Supreme Court justices actually, in their opinions, decided cases saying, obviously, we are a Christian nation. I think the last one that I was reading was on, in 1898. It was Justice, Justice, I think his name was Joseph Breyer. But at any rate, um, that's 130 years after or 120 years after our founding. I mean, this is, this is a common thread. You look at Abraham Lincoln call, calling for days, national days of prayer, fasting, and humiliation. Now, how do you, uh, you know, I mean, that's far different from the way our American presidents are operating these last couple of decades. He, he'd be, he would be impeached nowadays. <laughs> that's yeah, that's right. So, you know, so, I mean, you know, that's the challenge is to defend the fact that we're a Christian nation. And uh, the the truest defense, right? I mean, as they tear down Thomas Jefferson's statue and, you know, wh whatever else they're going to, they'll tear down everything because that's really Satan working and uh, tearing down this country that was given a divine mission to defend individual liberty. There's a moment in time when the world changed, and that was during this American Revolution. So, you know, is, as we go to this break, that's one of the things that I would think about. How do you defend the fact that we're a Christian nation? Um, the Declaration of Independence is that defense, because when you break down those couple of lines, and maybe we can go to that after you go to the break, mm -hmm. um, that is a religious statement. That's why, as they go to defend everything, and uh, by saying we got to defend the Constitution, they're kind of they're kind of putting the cart before the horse. There is no need for the Constitution until you uh, uh, read the Declaration of Independence. And once you read that Declaration of Independence, you understand why all these things are in the Constitution. Right. And so that's that's a, a point that I, we can expound on. Right. And and we, we should talk about that because I, I'm, I'm tired of ceding ground to the atheists and the secularists. Their, their view, see, you just made a, a, a um, you made a statement, which is 
Amer you, you're, you're putting forth America as a Christian nation. They, that is the default position of America, okay? And the atheists will say, no, the default position of the Declaration and the Constitution is secularism or atheism. So, and I think it's important not to cede that ground to them, but we're going to get back to this and other topics on the other side of the break. You're with the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network, and we're having a great conversation with Lieutenant Frank Moore, retired FDNY, talking about his book. We'll tell you where you can buy it in a few minutes. Uh, America, the exceptional. Uh, remember, we are serving the New York metropolitan area, 1350 on your AM dial. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app, and don't go anywhere. You're going to hear the rest of this conversation. We'll be right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello, and we are, we are pleased and honored to be joined by Frank Moore, retired uh, Fire Department of New York City, uh, author of the book, America the Exceptional. And that is something that we need to get back to in this country, and that's what we're discussing. And with that, I'm going to hand it back over to Joe Resinello. Frank, on the other side of the break, you were talking about how this nation is a Judeo-Christian nation. Um, I want to throw this out to our listeners out there. If you go to the 50 states, every preamble in the first sentence mentions God. It's undeniable that God's had a play in the ideas of Americanism from its roots. Um, talk about this idea of when we depart from Christianity as a people, things fall apart. I've learned this personally in my life, um, that my way is not the right way, and I need God as the cornerstone of my life. And I think that's at the root of all our issues right now. We're America was never perfect, but it did have that belief in, say, the Ten Commandments. God comes first, love my neighbor second. That's gone. Uh, talk about the dangers of exiting. We talked about an exodus, an exiting of that idea, which clearly was at the very beginning of America. Okay. Well, people, people aren't perfect, right? So how, when, as we're going to constantly go off track. How do we get back on track again? Right, so there's got to be something that pulls you. There's got to be a track first of all, and then there's got to be something that continues to pull you there, right? And so that takes uh, um, that takes a conscious effort, right? You have to, you know, you have to uh, say, listen, I there is a better way than what I than my own thought, and I need to bring myself back when I see I'm going off track, right? The road is wide, and the, you know, so at any rate, but uh, the Declaration of Independence is a spiritual document, right? All men are created equal. You have to stop. Because right there, you've made a statement that all men are created, all right? And so uh, who defined who's, who's created and what, what they're made of and what equality is, right? Equality, I mean, listen, we, we, equality can't be a substantial thing, right? Because uh, Joe is not the same as Frank, and uh, you know, I'm not the same as Albert Einstein. Uh, that guy is obviously a genius. I can't, I can't work out E equals MC squared, but maybe I can write a book better than the, uh, Einstein did. You know, so everybody has their gifts, and um, but yet, even though Einstein's a genius, he's equal to me. It's kind of an interesting concept. T turns it, flips it over a little bit, makes you think a little bit more deeply. Who's decided what your value is? So it's not me deciding that I need Einstein. That I don't need that guy on the corner. It's God that's decided that 
all people, sometimes uh, you look at the weakest in society and they draw out the best in other people. And that might be their complete role that's given to them by God. When you look at somebody that's a quadriplegic or you look at somebody with Down syndrome, that could be their value. I had a friend of mine when I was growing up in the Bronx. Uh, he was one of six kids and the youngest was a Down syndrome. And, uh, the, you know, this family, man, you if you messed with uh, that Down syndrome son, you had five other people that were going to give you a good lumping. But, uh, and that showed, they loved that kid. And uh, it brings out something, something that's very deep. So you go on, right? Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal, and they're endowed by their creator. I mean, who are we talking about, right? And this is a, a very Christian message. This is not a message that's wishy-washy. You don't get this, let's say, in a, you know, uh, any of our uh, you know, brothers out there that are listening from other religions. You know, this is not a shot. But to be created assumes that the creator loves his creation, right? I mean, if I'm writing my book and chapter two really sucks, I'm crunching it up and throwing it in the, uh, you know, the circular pile, you know? So uh, when I finally finish a chapter two I like, I keep it because I love it. You know, so when you're, a, you, if you look at creation, the fact that, you know, the world is still here, people are still here, this is what God intended. He loves his creation. And that's a message that's, a, that's personal. It's a person who's the creator who loves the people that he created. And so, I mean, you can't get any deeper than that, but uh, it should give food for thought when we start to sit back. Because the avenue that America took initially, when you read the founding fathers, politics and religion, they were kind of like joined. In other words, that one discussion didn't didn't happen in absence of the other discussion. The uh, the political decisions didn't happen in absence of some of the moral things that we were taught. Um, today, it's, it's completely different. They've taken separation of church and state, and they've said that's got to travel in that direction, and you keep that to yourself, and you travel that one in that direction, and hopefully everything works out okay. I'm glad that's you not mentioned. where we started. I'm glad you're mentioning that, Frank, and I'm going to hand it over to Joe. We need to also get around. We need to confront. We, we have to stop defending. We have to go on offense. And one of the re, one of the ways we go on offense, I would mention quickly in light of your your this comment you just made. Number one is we have to do something about the education system, and we have to beat back those who are not really teaching our kids. Because I did learn about the Constitution and the and the Declaration in grammar school, in public grammar school, and so did Joe, and so did you. We need to get back to that. Um, and uh, well, I forgot my larger point, but I did want to I did want to say this to you. Um, well, actually, you know what? Let me hand it over to Joe, um, because we, we unfortunately, Frank, you know, when you're dealing with the radio, you have time constraints and you're at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network. We're talking to Lieutenant Frank Moore about his fascinating book, America, the Exceptional. So we want to try to get to as many topics as we can. I want to touch on your idea of of all men are created equal, Frank, because as you were saying this, it, it jumped in my mind. I mean, we're talking about American exceptionalism, and that idea is exceptional. Why is it exceptional? Because nowhere in the world, nowhere in the world, even to this day, does that hold true. Do we do it perfectly? No. You talked about earlier, your parents came from Ireland. I'm sure they didn't come with a silver spoon in their mouth because my parents from Italy didn't come with a silver spoon in their mouth no. either. My grandfather came here at 16 and worked at a factory in Newark. Your parents grew up in the Bronx. Only in America does that take place. In other countries, there's castes, there's royalty, there's all types of strata that's established. You are labeled, you are not equal. It's clear to you to this very day. That is unique. That is an amazing statement when it was stated. And I want to talk about that because I think that's what makes America great to this day and it's forgotten. Yeah. Or maybe it could be our own demise, right? Depending on how you look at it, right? Because if we've abandoned that, that is pretty much goes hand in hand with the fact that we have abandoned God who gave us the purpose, right? This country is not an accident, right? You know, I, I just, I think I have a quote from John Jay in the book about um, just talking about no other people had ever had the ability to, you know, create for themselves their own government. And it's really a fact, right? How do governments even arise? They arise through power. And, um, you know, you've had some incredible civilizations. I had a high school teacher kind of challenged me uh, one time. He said, so uh, you're trying to tell me that there's never been an exceptional nation except for America? 
I said, no, no, you, you weren't paying attention. I said, the, the exceptionalism is not rooted in our greatness. It's not rooted in uh, the power, the wealth, and all those things. There's certainly been powerful, wealthy nations throughout history, but nobody has taken on that, that purpose, the purpose of defending your individual liberty. So anywhere that you look throughout America and you see that we're not defending individual liberty, then you can say that we've dropped the ball. All right. And we can see it now in, in current events. Right. We're looking at, uh, you know, this whole COVID-19. This last year has been <laughs> I, I could never have imagined anything like this happening. And so the only way it could happen is that there are, number one, there's forces that want it to happen just the way it's playing out. And number two, there's a acquiescing society that's saying, yeah, whatever you want to do is fine. Can you imagine a prior generation, Frank? taking that stance. I'm glad you mentioned fear. It was something we were going to get to a little bit later, but while we're on it now, all right, I have never in my life, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good with history. I'm pretty good with American history and world history, okay? I've never seen an America either read about it before I was born or seen it in the time I've been on this earth where Americans are this fearful. Now, I'm not talking about brazen. I'm not talking about being brazen. We take precautions when anything happens, whether it's COVID or the flu, okay? Um, we, we, we take all the precautions to mitigate risks of actually getting up and going out and going to work because there's risks all over the place. I have never been so ashamed of, of America, I, and I say that with, with a heavy heart, because of the fear that we're allowing everybody to sell us. We are supposed right. to, I'm supposed to fear sitting next to my brother-in-law here while we're talking to you at the front line with Joe and Joe. This idea of fear, and I think God, what we're talking about, about dismissing God, when you don't have God, not only is, are all things permissible, as Dostoevsky said, okay, but when you don't have God, that's fear, because you fear death so much because you don't have God. I don't want to die, but I don't fear death. I don't. I'm not brazen, but I don't fear death because my world, I'm rooted in Christianity and Jesus Christ. Okay. Talk about that a little bit because this fear that's gripped us is not American. We're not supposed no. to be, we're not supposed to be, walk into a store and somebody's yelling at you because you're not doing what they, what they tell you to do out of some sense of fear that they have. I love your, your comments on that, Frank. Uh, a famous quote from Benjamin Franklin, anyone that would trade essential liberty for a little temporary safety and temporary is an important word right you can only make yourself safe it's not a guarantee so anybody that can trade essential liberty for a little temporary safety deserves neither all right so that's where we came from those are the kind of minds that were out there right and i think that they had some things to be afraid of legitimately right so uh, whether you want to talk about disease and what they had to confront disease wise I mean, people, you know, infant births, uh, infant mortality, uh, you know, it was a hard, hard time to be living. And they didn't operate with fear. And so I think I, I read somewhere that uh, the word uh, do not uh, or the words do not be afraid or be not afraid uh, appear in the Bible 365 times. So um, it's obviously our, uh, a revelation in our faith that we shouldn't be walking around in fear. And uh, listen, we're not leading the way today. When you look at the, the way the church has reacted to the COVID crisis, it's really no different than anything going on outside. You're right. And, uh, you know, yeah, you have to say to yourself, all right, um, maybe we have to do a little bit of, uh, of a step back and take a, and analyze ourselves. Because uh, are, we really, are we really demonstrating our faith in Christ? Uh, I, I I don't think so, but um, you know, uh, and I think that when we're looking at the actions of the church, we see a lot of division there, which brings up another point, which is really good. Uh, you know, I talked about before how uh, you know Christianity, uh, we've relegated ourselves to like a competing ideology with this. You know, we're, we have a an abuse of the Bill of Rights right now. We we have we've made ourselves a competing ideology. We have to prove why Christianity works better than something else. But it's not about Christianity. When I get on my knees uh, at my bed at night in the dark and I say a prayer, that's where Christianity is. Christianity is when I turn and I look personally to Christ. And so that's what's gone, right? So now we don't really look at him anymore, right? Because we've forgotten that God is a person. You know, so, you know, that whole personal relationship is what Christianity is. And, um, you know, I think at, at a certain time when, when you reflect on miracles, 
you reflect, reflect on God interfering with uh, the destiny of man, uh, which is, I think, what the founders were saying over and over and over again. Do not boast of an arm of flesh, you know, because this, you know, this victory was not given to us by our own power. These guys were saying this. What does it mean? Does it mean they're just being fluffy and floating out ideas just so it sounds good? I don't think so. I don't think that's, that the grounded that's people that nowadays. That's all we yeah. see nowadays is just a lot of fluffy ideas getting floated around. As soon as you challenge those ideas, even on that level, uh, just to, just to say, well, I'm challenging your idea, then you're called all sorts of names. So let's talk a little bit more about fear. You talked about 9-11, the firemen that went up those stairs, sacrificing themselves. Fear was put aside. They felt it, but they went. Mm -hmm. Talk about a parent who has children open to life. There's fear. You fear for your children. You talked about your family that came from Ireland. They didn't have much. My family didn't have much, but you went forth and you trusted. You take that God factor out. Those things don't take place. People don't just sacrifice themselves. It goes against our nature. Fear is real, but God conquers death and fear. That's what's out of the picture. That's yeah. why we're fearful. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, you just hit the nail. I don't know that I can do it better than that. You know, but, uh, you know, the whole image, you know, I remember after 9-11, um, you know, you know, part of the article I wrote was called um, Vengeance versus God, the 9-11 infection. And, uh, you know, that whole I was walking around really, you know, got maybe fear, anger. I had all kinds of emotions going through my head. And I was <laughs> I saw firemen there that were really grounded guys. They had been in some hard things and I saw them falling apart, you know. Uh, not falling apart where they're in tears, but falling apart where they were getting aggressive. They, you couldn't really count on them to be the same guy that you knew before. They're having all kinds of emotional problems. And um, the cross is what actually straightened me out. I was walking, I had to go to like two, three funerals every single day for months. And, uh, you know, you, you try to do the right thing. And after a while, it burns you out. And I'm sitting there, you know, in my uh, ticked off state, and then I look up at the cross and the reason why I'm in my own church and I'm saying he did it first. All right, why, why did he do this? Why did he die for me? You know, and I, I slowly recovered, you know, but I, I don't know how I would have done that without faith. You know, I mean, there's a lot of moments and I'm sure you guys, it really does. It's not just isolated to nine 11. There's moments, uh, you know, that you confront life and then you kind of like turn around and you say, all right, well, you know, I got Christ. You know, and so I don't know what you do without this belief in God, right? I don't know how you get in World War II, a guy dives on a grenade and saves his platoon. I mean, I, I don't know how you make that choice if you just think this is all there is. You know, like, let's 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 dovetail from there. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's let's talk about uh, a common theme at the front line with Joe and Joe uh, is sacrifice. That's a naughty, naughty word nowadays okay uh but i want to get i want to quote your book all right america the exceptional for those of you just joining us uh we are you are at the front line with joe and joe and we're having a great conversation with lieutenant frank more about his book america the exceptional and we will tell you where you could buy it frank you write quote if we can admit that self-sacrifice is best modeled after jesus christ himself we will be well on our way to recovering the exceptionalism of those who built this country frank I don't know if you realize it or not. That's a radical statement. You tell somebody that they can't have what they want with, right now when they want it. I don't care if it's sex, drugs, rock and roll. With, and, and, and I'm not exaggerating with the drugs because you have states promoting it and people to go into business to now peddle drugs, which you put, used to put drug dealers in jail for. Sacrifice is a naughty, naughty word. Talk about the, the essential uh, sacrifice that we need to start making in this country and get back to that idea you talked about throwing yourself on a grenade okay i don't see any young people nowadays throwing themselves on grenades maybe i'm overgeneralizing, but i'd love for you to talk about sacrifice yeah uh, you know it's it's kind of a interesting thing because as a new york city firefighter i watched guys sacrifice you know and i saw things go horribly wrong too um but Somewhere in there, there's a, uh, a a word that you know of duty, honor. Some of these things kind of they kind of travel on the same road as sacrifice, right? And so you 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 know what your duty is, right? 
and and you perform it. Uh, the the New York City Fire Department to me was kind of like a little bit of a microcosm of what you know America and American exceptionalism is on the big stage. And um, so like those those concepts weren't foreign to me. But when I started to look at um, where we're going, it, it became obvious to me that this concept of self-sacrifice is contrary to where we're headed in so many levels. Right? You think about a consumer society, which is really you know, self-absorbed, right? So go out and buy something for you, right? It's not looking outside, right? The, um, I remember uh, I had a, a pastor who said, he goes, you know, the, the definition of sin is uh, human beings uh, collapsing in on themselves. So where the focus of everything becomes you. And then, so it's very hard to sacrifice when you can't really, by sacrificing, you're not really taking care of yourself. So I don't know how you take care of anybody else, right? And so it, it's kind of a funny thing, right? If you had everybody thinking along those lines, which is impossible, but if you if you just allowed yourself to look at that kind of a utopia where Joe is more worried about Frank than Joe and Frank is more worried about Joe than Frank, well, I'm going to reap a lot of benefits because I'm going to be sacrificing myself for, you know, whoever's walks in my path. But I've got 8 billion people sacrificing for me. It's like a it's a, it's just a, a a deep concept, right? You can't you without sacrifice, you're not going to have any kind of uh, advancement of a society. And I think it's embedded in Christian thought, and that's why America moved in such a direction because I don't think it happened anywhere else like that. I love what you said. And I'm going to hand it over to Joe. I want to comment uh, a, a little cultural commentary here. We're all and political commentary. We're all hearing about unity, unity, unity. While the same people talking about unity are the ones that are trying to divide us. I love what you just said. That's real unity. Okay. That's a society that has true unity. I might not agree with you. As I said earlier, I want everybody to come into the Catholic church if you're Jewish. Okay. But I could, as Joe says on the show all the time, but I could be your friend and you could mm -hmm. be my friend, real true friendship. As you mentioned, Jesus Christ, who said, what greater love than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. That Frank, I'm glad you said, because that would be, I think, <clears throat> that would be true unity in America, not this nonsense that they're trying to peddle. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. I want to focus a little bit more on sacrifice um, because I think this is a very unique quality of Christianity. Christ taught us to sacrifice by his example. He also taught us to suffer. You see, yeah. part of life for all people, whether rich or poor, whether you're brilliant or whether you're simple-minded, there is suffering. And Christ taught us that when we reject God in society, we reject the idea of suffering. You know, as, as a father, you sacrifice and suffer for your children. I could just speak for myself. Last night, I did not sleep well. And many nights I have not slept well because of my children. As a father, mm -hmm. Of four, my wife is pregnant with a fifth child. We're not, you know, Praise wealthy God. people. You sacrifice. The society has forgotten that, and it's falling apart. You said something. It implodes on itself. We've forgotten what it means to sacrifice. We've forgotten what it means to suffer. There's meaning in suffering. Christ shows us that, too. Talk about, like, I guess the suffering aspect of it. You know, as Americans, you, I'm sure your grandparents suffered for your parents and you suffered for your children. I can't even imagine. I mean, I yes. can't even imagine looking back on the Depression era and World War II. These guys, yeah, they're talking about COVID. And we got uh, 1917, you have a Spanish flu that gets lumped into the Great Depression, which then gets lumped right in. They're living this whole thing. I mean, I mean, if they don't, if they don't know suffering, I don't know who knows suffering. But, um, but the suffering thing is so important because it is completely personal. You and I can suffer the same thing. We could both break our leg, right? And that suffering might be deeper for you or deeper for me, depending on many different things, right? But it's completely unique, no matter what you went through. And uh, the ability to offer that suffering to God is uh, is something that gives value, right? So, like, you know, it's, if you're an atheist, you really don't find any value in his suffering. Uh, it, and if you look at our society, suffering is, is frowned upon, right? So now we have euthanasia. We're doing things, uh, you know, you have uh, uh, abortion, right? Because we don't want that person to suffer because they don't really have the means to take care of that child. It's kind of a funny thing. I, having a, you know, going back to abortion quickly, you know, you think about suffering, right? That everything, they, they've, 
<laughs> suffering is a bad thing now. There's, they can't find any value in suffering, right? So that's abortions, right? You know, you have people that, uh, you know, they, they do tests. They find out you have a Down syndrome child. We have, that's going to be a suffering for you for your whole life. We have to abort that, right? So we have, we've given no value no value whatsoever to suffering. I remember I had a conversation with somebody. We were actually sitting in a bar after a ball game. And, um, you know, he said, he goes, you know, um, you know, you look at abortion. I mean, it really is a good thing, isn't it, Frank? You know, you, you have a child that's really not going to grow up and have anything, right? And I, I looked at him. I said, you know, I think it's better off asking that question to that child and seeing if, you know, if they would choose to live or die. I think, I think most of us, if you, you said, hey, listen, do you want to exist? I think we're probably going to say yes. Right. And I remember listening to, to Ben Carson when he was running. He was talking about his story growing up in uh, inner city Detroit and uh, some of the things that were going on around him. I mean, you know, you don't know what people are going to produce. Right. Some people, they they cave into that pressure and they, you know, and they are drug addicts or dealers or whatever they, they are. Right. I saw all that stuff in the Bronx. Or they can become like a Ben Carson that ends up becoming, uh, you know, th this incredible neurosurgeon. Right. I don't know where that came from, but that's certainly got that. That's God, you know, uh, give him the glory. But uh, um, I don't know if I've touched on the suffering quite the way that you wanted. But, no, it's, um, a great, it's a great analogy. And I'm glad you mentioned Ben Carson. And I, I want to expand on it. I, I think of suffering like we're not formed the way we're supposed to be. Life forms us. I look at life like through the Christian lens as God is forming me through what's happening to me. And I have to accept certain realities. I think it's that acceptance of suffering. It forges you almost like a sword. A sword is not beautiful in its like beginning stages. It has to go in fire. It's pounded, it's pounded. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes beautiful is suffering does that to a person. And from it, something amazing can come from that if we again you take god out of that that faith that drives you through i mean think of what men have achieved through suffering and that's gone and that's what's made american america exceptional people who went to Normandy, people who walk through fire, people who raise children against all odds. That's America. People who ran into the World Trade Center on 9-11s. Amazing things. People who went to the World Trade Center and basically got cancer knowing they would get sick because they were helping others. Without God, that doesn't exist. And our society is throwing that away. I mean, it's so sad. And it's been, it's been done in other societies. When God leaves, everything falls apart. Frank, I got one more question for you, and then we're going to wrap it up. We have about three minutes. I'm glad you brought up, uh, you quoted C.S. Lewis in your book, America the Exceptional, but let me read it for our audience at the Veritas Catholic Network. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. We hear about progressivism, progressivism. Brother, if you're on the wrong path, there's no exit. There's no There's no place you, oh, let me go in that direction. No, 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 no. Stop. Turn around. Go back to where you started. Because you are just on the wrong road. Talk about that, Frank. we got about two minutes left. Okay. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. It really brings the whole book. That's, that, is the, that is the crux of the book. Um, we, if you believe, and I, I certainly do, and I know that you guys just from talking to you do, that we're on the wrong path. Then uh, if you're looking at uh, an America that's in decline or, or, uh, or an America that's no longer making a difference or, you know, for whatever, whatever however you want to define it, then, and you agree that we were at one time exceptional, then it makes sense to turn around and take a look at that time when we were exceptional and see what the difference is. What are we, what are we doing different right now that uh, is causing this problem? And maybe we can learn from our ancestors and actually return to that exceptionalism. And I think what we're doing right now, we're on a path, basically an antichrist path. Right. Antichrist in so many ways. Right. You know, you, we don't like Christianity. We don't want to talk about any specific religion because we don't want to offend anyone. Um, we hold on to the truth. So if we're not willing to, you know, spell out the things that are we know are obviously true, we're going to head down the wrong path, which is exactly what we're doing. It's an antichrist or maybe 
uh, you know, when you look at Marxism, which is uh, it's clearly where we're going. I mean, the, to see, you would never have, thought, I mean, you think of McCarthy era, you would, we would never have gone down this path in any other time in our history. But that, that whole concept, Marxism, communism, socialism, is a satanic uh, uh, belief system because it takes away your individuality. And uh, it's even deeper, the problem with that, uh, this communist mentality is that it creates an argument for dictatorship. Because if wealth is being hoarded by certain people, according to Marxism, it needs to be distributed. The only way you can do that is by giving somebody the power to choose and distribute that wealth. Mm. And that's a lot of power. All right. And we don't look with envy. Right. I was saying, you know, one of the commandments is, you know, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, we that's where we came from. That's a Christian principle. And uh, I think that that, you know, it, to sum it up, I, I think that we need to look back to an era. And I think the missing ingredient is going to be a common Christian thread. We're going to have to leave it there, Frank. Where can people buy okay. your book, America the Exceptional? Okay, I have uh, just developed a website. Uh, it's called americatheexceptional.us. So if you go on there, there's a link also to Amazon. You can leave a comment if you like on the uh, website, or you can go straight to Amazon and uh, America the Exceptional uh, by Lieutenant Frank Moore, and it should come up as your first search. But, uh, you know, that's where, it's, that's where it's at. Awesome. And we want to thank you, Frank, for being on the show. And we want to thank all you listeners out there, brothers and sisters, for joining us here on the Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area, 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. And also please follow Joe and I on social media, primarily Facebook and YouTube right now until they shut us down, of course. Um, hit the bell, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.